Hey guys, welcome to the Hanjam Ran Show, the audacious podcast by Hannah Rankin. This week's episode, I got to have a beautiful conversation with rising star Miss Georgia Buchanan, aka Call Me Loop. Georgia broke out with her first single, hitting over 100,000 downloads in the first 24 hours. And more recently, she co wrote the Pussycat Dolls comeback single. We may not all have the talent to pursue being a pop star, but what we discussed is applicable to anyone looking to dream big and turn it into a reality. As usual, this isn't a wishy-washy, here's how to make your dream come true conversation. It's an honest depiction of what it means to balance business acumen with creativity, how to keep hustling despite setbacks, including no's and illness, and what it's like for those around you when you're yet to have any tangible success. We also touched on how bloody sweet it is to prove people wrong that doubted you. Hey, if it works as fuel to push us forward, I'm here for it. Plus, it's just a really cool insight into what it's like being a pop star, because who didn't dream of being one, or if you're like me, every time you're playing music in the car, you still do pretend that you're the next Britney. Obviously, we touched on self-love and our relationship with our bodies as well, as our personal style and how what we wear reflects our insides in different life chapters. I had such amazing feedback from last week's episode from a lot of women who felt revitalized by the positivity and encouragement and there's more of that this week with Georgia. Just a little note to let you know that I have coming up a couple of episodes that touch on how we as white people can be the best advocates and allies involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. So I hope you'll look out for those episodes. And a little gentle reminder, if you could please subscribe, rate and review if you're enjoying the podcast. And please come and follow me on Instagram at Hanjamran. Final request, will you send this episode to a friend if you enjoy it? I feel like this is a bit of escapism from everything that's happening right now and a lovely way to spend an hour. So share the love, spread the word, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Here is the beautiful Call Me Loop. I know that you've been asked this on a million interviews, but I figured we just better get it out of the way to start with for anyone that doesn't know. What is the backstory with the name Call Me Loop? (laughs) So my real name is Georgia, as you've just said, and my (laughs) mum basically used to call me Georgie Lou, which became Loopy Lou somehow, I'm not really sure how, Um, and then Loop. So like she's been calling me that for 10, 15 years, and then basically... I I started well I tried I kind of dabbled in a bit of music um, under my real name which I'm sure we'll get to later but then I kind of decided okay now I want to start this properly and I want to have an alias um, and that was just kind of the first thing that came to mind because I wanted it to be something that I do respond to is a name in some way for me and also it has yeah. musical connotations so it was just loop but then uh, after a few months realized that that wasn't that um unique and there are actually a lot of loops out there kind of bands DJs um mm. and my social handles had been at call me loop from the start so just thought I'd change it to that made, made it much more um search engine friendly <laughs> and unique 
that so, yeah. yeah the things that go into that sort of decision making are funny these days yeah. I had a quite like a when I was preparing to launch the podcast I did a whole brand exercise under a totally different name oh, yeah. and then I just I, I actually had a dream and I woke up and I was like I just need to do Han Jam Ran like, I've been calling myself that for yeah. probably like 10 years as well it's the first three letters of my three names my name's Hannah Jane Rankin so yeah. Han Jam Ran and I wrote to my friend who was helping me with the branding and I was like I think I just need to be me and be like my the other branding was really stripped back and super chic and <laughs> yeah. really just, like monochrome and I was like I'm not that person I'm colorful and loud exactly it just needs to be like authentic and just whatever comes to you like rather than thinking it through over and over and mm. be like oh let me find something that sounds cool no you just have to go yeah. with what is actually you and that you're going to respond yeah. to and that in a year two years however long you're still going to feel is is you know the right representation yeah I love that um so I thought I would fill the listeners in with our backstory because I think it's quite appropriate given <laughs> what we're talking about yes so we met when we were about I mean I think it, it we must have been about nine or ten it and we did been, the yeah. pop stars summer camp and we Ooh. were in a band together oh my god honestly so much fun Georgia obviously had the best voice out of all of us <laughs> and got the solo we sung a Beverly Night song should have been a me you should have really good. Oh my god. <laughs> Amazing. There must be a video somewhere. And um there must Jordy be. and Carly were in our band and Jordy's a much better singer than I am, but she was very heartbroken not to get the <laughs> solo. But <laughs> sorry, Jordy. <laughs> oh proud god. to proud to have been in a band with you once <laughs> a long time ago. What did we wear for that one? I feel like I have quite strong memories of the we outfit wore that I wore. A for white pop denim boss, like jeans yes. denim, and then we each had a bandana in a different way yes we did oh my god to be fair I'd wear that outfit now totally <laughs> <laughs> oh well my that god. would have been the very beginning of the noughties yeah true it would have been Which the cusp of 90s and noughties so similar similar vibe that. now yeah since then you've been a real singer and performing <laughs> live a lot and I've seen that you've done sets alongside Sarah Larson and Martin Garrix to a humble crowd of mm. 20,000 yeah and your first song on Spotify got a hundred thousand streams and I don't in 24 hours which I don't actually understand <laughs> yeah I know me <laughs> so too please fill me in. <laughs> so that honestly it still blows my mind to be honest like that was so that was April 2016 I think so 4 years ago wow and that was my first ever proper release and that was when I was still just loop not call me loop yet and I basically cuz I didn't I didn't know anybody in the industry like at all really except mm. for one of my friends from school one of my best friends she had been interning at Island Records she's now at Warner does marketing and she knew a guy there called Louis and then he had gone basically to Metropolis which is the huge studios in Chiswick where like Adele's recorded and everything they're like legendary recording Amazing. studios but they also had this little indie label as well so they were signing acts and Liv just said to me oh why don't you go for a coffee with Louis and play him some demos so I went had a chat really got on with him sent him some of my stuff on SoundCloud and he just really liked this one song looking at you and he was like yeah we'll put it out on a single deal a one-off single deal so that was my first release and it was like 
a photo that a friend had taken outside and that we put some weird effect on for the artwork. Mm-hmm. And a guy I'd like recorded with once when I was like, I mean, maybe 19 in a friend's shed. He was, he produced it from Portugal and that, yeah, it went out on Spotify and it got New Music Friday playlists around the world, including the biggest one, the global American one. It got into all these playlists. And then on the Saturday, was at the pub with my family. And I just got this email from Louis being like, guys, we've gotten all these playlists and we've just hit 100,000 streams. And I remember being like, surely they've added a zero onto that or two or three. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And yeah, that was when I, that was the first moment when I was like, okay, this could actually be a thing. And then... Yeah. But I yeah, it's, I mean, if you get on all those New Music Friday playlists around the world, obviously they've got such a huge following. And if you get a good positioning in them, your song's just going to get heard loads. Um, yeah. And I've been very fortunate that most of my singles since then have done a similar thing. Like the majority yeah. of them have got into like 18 to 20 playlists and therefore just by way of kind of, you know, math and logic, they've then ended up with like 100,000 streams in the first weekend, which is just mind-boggling. And it is so, yeah. super cool that I feel like, um, I mean, I don't know a lot about the music industry, but I'm from an outside or a consumer perspective, I feel like there's been an amazing sort of democracy created by this online access to music because... I don't really listen to the radio that often anymore unless I'm in the car. I do. I literally learn all my new music through those Spotify playlists. Yeah. And you also have this agency because of your, because of social media, you can be your own PR team. Yeah. So there's like entry points into the industry that didn't exist before. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's very much, you can become a pop star from your bedroom. Like you don't need a major label. Mm. You don't need, you don't, I mean gets to a point where you can do but you don't really need money you can just you can become like your song can become a sensation and become in the radio charts like just because it gets picked up and if you've got a great song you've got a great song like and it just flies you don't you don't it's it's a weird it's a weird one yeah like you can be like huge on Spotify but not be ever get on the radio and that can be just that's the way that your your model works and you can make a like a good living and a career off that but it is hard you know like if you're if you're depends what world you're in like for a female pop like mainstream pop artist you do need that radio like you you want those streams because that's how people's people are finding you that's all the data-driven stuff but it gets to a point where you know you do need to get on the radio because that's how you're going to become a household name um and that's how you're going to kind of start getting your tours in and you know really becoming a someone in that world because it's so like next level um, and like, but then with the radio, it's really hard because if you're indie or left field, you've got loads of specialist shows that you can get on and kind of like work your way mm-hmm. up into the into the the big leagues. But with pop, you're kind of there's no other route for you. You're just kind of basically vying for those A B C lists against like Gaga mm. and Jonas Brothers yeah. and you know the big dogs. But it's yeah, and you could one. just be unlucky with timing like if they if those people you just said like released a song on the same week obviously exactly as I had last week with Gaga and um Ariana um, putting out their collab Ariana the same day strike mm-hmm. thank you guys 
was like, oh but my in God. good company, darling, in good company. Yeah, in great company. It was actually a crazy busy week of releases last week and it was amazing. There were so many huge songs. I think it's kind of because of lockdown. I think the first few weeks people were like not really sure what to do and some people were pushing stuff back and holding stuff off. And then suddenly it was like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. And actually people are at home. It's a great time to be if you've got if you've got the music and you can or you can finish it off remotely then you just put it out anyway and then suddenly in the last few weeks it's been like huge so many releases the premise of this podcast is all about being audacious and bold and encouraging and empowering to one another and i feel like your music is super vivacious and i i want to describe your music as colorful even though it's audio but i feel like <laughs> I feel like audio can be colourful um and definitely it can be colourful yeah totally and I find it really interesting um there's a few reasons why I wanted to talk to you but one of them is is the pursuit I suppose of this big dream because when we're young I mean I wanted to be a pop star when I was little hence I did the (laughs) summer camp and then I realised I didn't have a voice so then my dream sort of moved into acting and I I did go to a, a drama school for sixth form and like I really 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 wanted that and I think I had a reasonable amount of talent and I was willing to put the hard work in but I then got scared of I, I guess I got scared of like dreaming too big and and publicly and then potentially failing and I thought at that time I mean obviously the wrong attitude but I felt that it was better to not try and fail than try and fail yeah thankfully I've grown up since then and and sort of I'm willing to put myself out there and I think that's part and parcel of of success but how has that process been for you to to know from a young age that that was sort of a real desire for you and to have the gumption to to follow it through I mean I think what you say is really valid and I think that's what stops so many people from going for their dreams because it's really scary and the thought that you might try and try and try and try and try, you know, for a very long time and then fail is just kind of that much more painful than thinking just never, never trying. And I've, I go through that frequently. Like, you know, it it is a scary thought. It's like, God, you know, I've been trying, I've been working at this for a long time. And every now and then you do just get a bit overwhelmed because you're like, there are so many people, so many very talented people trying for the same thing. And the spot's, like, you know, there are lots of people who can all be successful at the t- same time at different levels, but really like the level that I want to get to that will count as like a real successful career to me. It's like you're up there in the in a very competitive area and it's just sometimes you're just like, God, why is it, you know, is it going to be me versus all these other people? And then you think, oh God, and I will yeah. have like spent my, all of my 20s and then some trying for something and it's not going to have come to anything. So it is every now and then, obviously you have those thoughts and it's really, really scary and I think you just have to ride that wave and then you'll have the next day will be like, you'll wake up and you'll be like, fuck yeah, of course I can do this. Like, and you'll <laughs> believe in yourself and you'll be like, hell yeah. But I think for me, I just, at the start, I just never really thought of a plan B. I don't know. I just kind of kept going. And then I was suddenly like, oh shit. Okay. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm doing this now. Um, yeah. I did go to uni uh, and I studied drama because my parents basically said, we want you to go and get a degree before you start trying the music properly so I did do that and part of me kind of thinks oh I wish I hadn't done that because I don't really know what uni got me to be honest like I don't know if it furthered me in any sense of myself my character living skills 
<laughs> yeah, it, like that's the thing. I think I don't want to regret it because I'm sure I do think like, oh God, what if I'd started music three years earlier? I could be in like mm. a whole different, well, you know, it's the sliding doors thing. It's like, God, where would I be now? But I do think yeah. I was quite like wet behind the ears and I think I would have been too naive to start in this industry at 18 because it is pretty cutthroat and you need to have such a thick skin and maybe I wouldn't have known who I wanted to be and got pulled this way and that so I think it probably is for the best but yeah I just kind of as you say like wanted to be a pop star when I was little and just haven't really grown out of it (laughs) you know what I'm gonna say to you now shoulda woulda coulda (laughs) (laughs) shoulda woulda coulda and what have the knockbacks been and what like what are they what do they feel like? And how do you pep talk yourself back up? Um, God, there's been, I mean, there's been so many to like at different levels, like there's little ones, there's, there's little ones every day. And then there's the bigger kind of more life changing ones. There's like, um, I mean, well, after uni, like a year after uni, I got glandular fever really, really, really badly. I'd basically been like working, I'd been interning uh at a PR agency Monday to Friday to like keep my CV looking good whilst I then also did this uh Saturday um every Saturday this acting workshop up in London but I was still living at my parents so every day I was commuting up to London Monday to Friday for this uh internship um Saturday for this no Sunday sorry for the acting workshop and then every Saturday I'd basically in the week I'd go on um websites like star now and look up auditions for girl bands because I didn't know what to do like I didn't think I necessarily yeah. wanted to be in a girl band but I couldn't play an instrument I knew I could write songs but I couldn't write them alone and I didn't know anybody in this industry and honestly like it was it's just you don't even know where to begin so I was looking up all these auditions you know um some very much more legitimate than others oh my god I went to a couple of <laughs> fucking dodgy things like not like men sitting in hotel lobbies with a takeaway trying to convince me that they were going to change my life <laughs> really creepy oh, yeah I know that was one where my parents were out of the country and I think my brother was like George it sounds great oh, go no. for it but it, it was one of those ones that sounded too good to be true so I went up to it kind of still was like again I didn't really like know what I was doing still thought it might be legitimate um went back for a second audition <laughs> with my mum by this point thank god I was back in the country so she came up with me and we got sent on this wild goose chase around London obviously it was never real and this man freaked out when he realized my mum was with me went back on the star now website and it was like please do not get in touch with this person and had oh, taken down no. his details I know so people please be careful yeah. <laughs> be careful out there like I, I had I did a tiny 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 bit of um modeling when I was 14 just because I'm very tall <laughs> and so I feel like yeah. every girl has a and you're gorgeous and, um, and are gorgeous oh bless you thank you <laughs> um but I did this like American apparel photo shoot and oh, yeah it's all really uh, just I don't know it's just like this weird sexual undertone to their aesthetic mm. and then they found oh, out yeah. afterwards that I was 14 and so they didn't use it but my agency obviously were comfortable with sending a 14 year old yeah, in yeah, to yeah. pose in tank, see-through tank tops and knickers. I remember the know, American Parrot ones. Yeah, they were pretty. And then there was a huge scandal about the owner. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's scary. It is scary. Like and scary. people will prey on these young, naive girls who will literally will do anything to make this dream a reality. You know, so you do have yeah. to be careful. Um, and have a support system around you but yeah I was doing for the most part the auditions were legitimate and I was kind of going and auditioning for these girl groups and 
I'd be going to London or to like bloody Bournemouth or Birmingham or like on the Saturday. So I was basically like maxing myself out. And then I felt so run down. Mm. And the morning that I was getting the train up to London with my mum in the December for the final acting showcase of this course I've been doing for that term, uh, I got the results back from the doctors that I had glandular fever. And then after that day, I kind of stopped, went to bed and I couldn't get out of bed for three months. <laughs> I like literally oh my couldn't, my mum would like have to feed me food and I couldn't even, I would get out of breath eating a like a bowl of porridge or a spoonful of porridge. I couldn't walk up the stairs, down the stairs. I lost like a stone and a half. I like couldn't do anything. And then as a weird side effect, which I have no idea how it happened, I split my vocal cords like I got a dual tone coming out like I don't know I remember I can't remember how we figured it out but I essentially went to an ears nose and throat doctor and yeah he was like you have a dual tone coming out of your voice when you speak he was like you're going to need to go to a speech therapist and if you're a singer then a vocal coach and I just remember getting home and sobbing to my dad and being like oh my god what if this means I can never sing again and then that was like a real kind of I'm going to once that had happened also having been house basically under house arrest for like four months I was like I'm never gonna say no to anything again I'm gonna make sure I'm out there living my life and then also making my dreams come true because the both the two had kind of coincided of the watching my friends move on and start living their lives moving to London and stuff and not being able to do any of that and also the, the 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 fear of the fright of um music not being able to be what I do and then god what am I going to do if I can't sing so yeah, so that was my first proper like knockback, I think. Um, but I actually think it was a blessing in disguise because it kind of made me pull my finger out. I I didn't, well, I did have glandular fever, but I wasn't aware of it. But I had um, chronic fatigue three years ago and I also was in bed for three months. And it was when I was living in Australia, which was for me a dream. Yeah. Like to tick that off my bucket list. Mm. And my parents were trying to make me come home and I I refused because I did not want this illness this experience to be the reason to end that dream and definitely I can relate that you have this sort of two-pronged reaction of one is like oh my goodness I'm so overwhelmed life is too hard to push through this and still fight for my dreams but then also it kind of you get to a point where you're like actually no I'm gonna fight even harder and like watch me go I'm gonna rise from the ashes and yeah exactly and you did so yeah go you I mean, <laughs> it was then it didn't it definitely didn't then like take off from there then then that was another very hard like year and a half at my parents place trying to figure out then I'd go up to London like three days a week for paid jobs for like paid office work and then I'd on the two days off I'd like basically sit at my laptop and I'd go on SoundCloud and I'd seek out producers who seem cool but small enough that they'd reply to my emails so then I just spent hours cold emailing producers and trying to get sessions in um I downloaded Logic and got a little MIDI keyboard and tried to start like writing writing well getting beats down enough that I could then write my own songs but obviously they were never going to be great because and I like taught myself some guitar chords and stuff so I was and then I put a band together as well I put out a thing to try and find a drummer and a and a guitarist I think it was a, yeah it was a guitarist so that I could start doing some shows but like the whole thing was very hodgepodge and like I didn't really know what I was doing and the stuff that I was writing then didn't translate to what we were playing live and I was kind of but that just says to me like I mean incredible though I find that so inspiring because that just says to me that if you 
have a vision so clearly defined and you are willing to put those hours in like that 1000 hour rule yeah you even taught yourself like it's not that you had this sort of handed to you either the the lessons of how to do it or the the in yeah um and you just you really hustled so I I reckon that will have given you sort of a weight and a and a persistence and a strength that as you said you know the sliding doors thing had it happened sooner you might not have that and I I I think now like it's who I was in my early 20s I'm so glad that I didn't have any public facing success then because I would have been a disaster I would have been tragic (laughs) I don't know how these like influencer entrepreneurs and like these pop stars who are 17 years old do it I honestly don't know how how they do it like you're still a child then and you're you're just you're not even the person that you're going to be yet you know and it's just like to, to go through kind of and also you, you, you're you kind of a commodity when you're a pop star at that level. Like my dad always says to me, you know, you need to be aware of the business side because music is, the music industry is a business and it's fucking cutthroat and people are, will try and take you for all they can. So you need to know that side as much as being, oh, I'm the creative and, but you need to like, either yeah. you need to trust your team tooth and nail and they're your family or, or you've got to know to an extent what you're signing, what you're doing, what that means for this, you know, how that all works because people will try and screw you over here there and everywhere and it's really it's not very tangible as well like with music I find at my level like income wise it's just you're basically relying on like these royalty checks that are coming in but you don't really you just kind of have to take it for a fact and be like okay I must have earned that much this quarter but you don't know like it's just it's all very weird and like um obviously you start to get to a point where you're starting to make a lot more money from like your shows and your brand deals and all that sort of stuff but even then you know like it starts to then get silly money and then even more reason to make sure you know that you've got your business head on yeah I think it's probably for the best I've definitely been on a journey and I've learned a lot and I look back on those years and I'm like god they were pretty crappy and I remember like a couple of my friends like a year in being like what exactly are you doing because I was still back at my parents and they were like I don't really get it like are you doing music or like and I'm like honestly it's tough I get what and they were kind of like you know I want you to be successful and I'm here for you and I'm supportive but I don't really understand what you're doing and I'm like I can understand why you're questioning it because they some of them probably thought oh she's just chilling at home not really doing anything and I'm like believe me I would give anything to be in London right now um but I just obviously didn't have the money to pay the rent yet and and also like couldn't yeah I just I was in a bit of a no man's land for a couple of years but But it's not that you weren't doing anything you were you were preparing in, yeah. in in a way and also that's why not everyone does become a pop star because yeah. not everyone like for example me with the acting like that's why I am not an actress because I wasn't willing to have mm. that risk chapter that's the thing it's like my mum's often worries a lot because you know she just wishes that you know all of, pretty much all of my my closest friends from school and stuff, they have, you know, what you call a normal job. They have a salary that comes in every month and um, a, a more normal lifestyle and schedule and stuff. And just, I think sometimes mum does wish that for me a bit. And I totally get that. I think if I was a mum, I'd be the same. Like it's it's definitely not mm-hmm. um, particularly stable. But like obviously then when it's going well, it's very exciting and she's so proud of me and stuff. And my whole family are really supportive, which helps. Again, I don't know how people do this with family who aren't supportive because... Yeah, if you don't have that emotional support, my God, like, 
think it would be very <laughs> challenging. But then I guess you go the other side and kind of go, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. Because I definitely have a little bit of that as well. Like people, yeah. friends, I say in bunny ears, from like uni and stuff who would kind of take the piss and not really, you know, there's definitely a bit of that. <laughs> I really want to be like, hey, look at me picking up my Brit Award. I find those voices of those people that whose opinions we don't really appreciate yeah so interesting because those are the voices that came up for me when I wanted to launch the podcast that were 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 trying to stop me yeah. it wasn't anyone that's in my life today it wasn't anyone that I respect particularly yeah not to be too rude back but they're they're just these people that that I met at uni as well who I found to be extremely judgmental about others and you think well mm-hmm. if they're saying x y and z about other people surely they'll say the same about me and maybe they are but I don't know and it's none of my business what they're saying so why would I let that stand between me and uh, and a personal goal I think it's also an age thing like that definitely happened more like in teenage years and like early 20s and stuff I don't think you get people tearing people down in the same way anymore but and also you kind of don't want to give those people the 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 time in your head and like the the importance of like being like oh I'm going to show them but also there is a little bit of that you know like for the most part it's kind of positive affirmation and you want to prove your you know make your family and your friends proud and prove yourself prove yourself that you can do it like to the five-year-old you the ten-year-old you that wanted to be this pop star be like look at me now but there's definitely a tiny little bit of that like hey hey, sucker Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. And um, with the community that you do have around you, I feel like you've built this really gorgeous, positive sort of community um, through your fan base. And they just seem like so loving and just Oh my God, they're amazing. They're so amazing. Like, honestly, it's so wonderful. Like, because I think because the nature of most of my songs are like very empowering and uplifting and stuff. um, That kind of, it obviously then breeds a certain type of fan base and people who are looking to be empowered and people who don't necessarily have the most confidence but listen to songs like that to build their confidence and build them up and then you've got like the fandoms kind of come together and it's so like literally yesterday somebody tweeted me being like oh I want to I want to make friends with some some loop fans sort of thing and I have this whatsapp group for my fans so you know I just get them to send me their number I add it in and then they all become friends and then they come to gigs and they they're friends with each other they go for dinner first or like they wow yeah it's so lovely it's so 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 lovely that's so gorgeous I've only done one thing like that once in Sydney I went to a dinner with fellow vegans oh amazing <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> oh <laughs> it was great <laughs> that's when the internet is so amazing though like because I've made friends with girls over Instagram before my bro- my my boyfriend says this oh I've got loads of friends on Instagram yeah he's yeah. like you're always making friends he's like oh you're going for dinner or a night out with a girl that you've never met before cute nice <laughs> Yeah. yeah I do it all the time I'm two it's girls so nice. I'm gonna interview for the podcast are friends and I met them through Instagram because we both sort of feel like fueled by similar um activism issues and yeah. we bonded just through like rage really and then we yeah. met up in real life and have connected Aww. and it's yeah I love that really that's when the internet is the best thing ever mm. And speaking of your empowering music, mm. I love that you have a song called Self Love. I think that's so gorgeous. <laughs> Thank and you. I I personally get a lot of comments on observing my own self-acceptance and my own confidence and, and mainly fellow women. And yeah. they're like, 
why how why are you like that <laughs> like what's gone into this yeah. my sister always says that I'm the only woman she knows that's happy with her body and and for me it's not it's honestly not that I think that I have the perfect body or I just refuse to spend too much energy thinking about that kind of thing no and that's amazing Helen. like honestly but I think it's because of being sick and now I'm yeah that well that's the thing you now appreciate it don't yeah. you and I look at my legs and I'm like my legs work today when they didn't I was in a wheelchair for months on end yeah and now I look at my legs I'm like you take me for a walk around the common in lockdown and that keeps my mental health good and exactly I think that's so amazing and like you can love your body and it not be arrogant I think it's like so rare like women are told from day dot to not love their bodies that they need to do this 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 and this to change them and improve them and make them better for I mean primarily for the male gaze and it's just like it's so exhausting and I don't think it's so interesting how Instagram and internet has opened my eyes to that over the last few years because I think I was really oblivious to it and then suddenly you're like oh shit yeah I've been buying into this and that's fueled the way that I feel about myself and the way that I view myself and other girls and the way that I interact with boys like for all of my teenage years my early 20s like and it's like god I wish I'd had people like you know um Florence Given and stuff like that on like to kind of guide me before and then now at least you're starting to see women post things like you just said like I'm grateful for my body today because it's taken me here I've just done I can work out I can go to the gym I can do this and it's like god we should be so much more like that and I'm definitely I need to work on that because I'll feel like it's yeah sometimes I feel very happy in myself and then other days as same as everyone I'm sure I feel shit but it's an ongoing thing I think but that's amazing that you feel that way and I do for the most part I think Uh, it's yeah I mean I would say for me it is actually 99% of the time I'm not going to say it's 100 but it is definitely always and that's awesome and I think I do feel really lucky that I've managed to get to a point where I view myself like that because I mean I had an eating disorder all the way through school so like Mm. it's not that I was born in in that frame of mind but honestly I just there's so much I want to achieve that I'm not going to spend energy when there's only 24 hours in a day beating myself up no fuck no and I'm going to read some self-love lyrics to you (laughs) now these three lines I just think are so powerful I found myself you know I'm feeling so good used to depend on other people more than I ever should but no one else has treated me as good as I would. And I just think if you don't love yourself, why would anyone else? Because you're actually asking someone to love you when yeah. you don't love you. And basically fill those voids for you. But you there needs you need to love it all, all of it. Otherwise, if you're relying on somebody else to give you that love, then you become dependent on it. And then if they go away, then you're, yeah, you're left bereft again. Or you cling on to them, even though the love that they're giving you isn't the right love. Uh, but you need it because otherwise you think you're going to be without it. But it's not, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's self-sabotage really. And it's like, you just need to, I mean, it's we're saying it like it's easy. It's not fucking easy to love yourself. It's not. Um, but I no, think it's, it's definitely a time thing as well. Like the older you get, like it's classic, you yeah. know, teenage and early 20s. Like that is a struggle, I think, for the majority of people. I mean, especially girls, but I'm, there are many men out there as well who go through it. And I think the older yeah. you get, the more comfortable you get in your body. It's just, I think that's yeah. just a pretty standard journey. Yeah. I mean, I've had I've had to do a lot of work of sort of going back and, and treating my 14-year-old self with kindness mm, because yeah. I was so horrible to her for so long. And I, yeah, I've really 
I've like I've shed a lot I've for a long time I couldn't really talk about me age 14 15 without crying because I just it's it's crazy like how much disdain you can have for yourself and I actually look back at pictures of myself then and I'm like but you were so gorgeous like young thing like you had no idea I know that's the the heartbreaking thing like you waste so many years and then it's a typical mm-hmm. thing you kind of hear older women joke about as well, being like, oh, my God. Well, if, like, somebody's in their 40s, being like, if I could look back on my 25-year-old self or my teenage self or even my 30-year-old self, I would be, yeah. you know, you're fucking buzzing with how you look and, like, you just wish that you... say the youth is wasted on the youth. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, we're sounding so old, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's true and it's sad. Yeah, it is. We can just make up for it now. But also we can... We can do things like have conversations um, like this and you releasing music in with the sentiment that you are. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, there is a different, there is a movement happening. And like, I think. Yeah, I think there is. Self-acceptance, self-acceptance is sort of, it's activism now. Yeah. Like loving yourself is radical. Yeah. And I think the generations underneath ours want to fight back and 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 accept their uniqueness like now you know like things with the modeling world obviously there's still a way to go but like you can be different shapes and sizes different colors have vitiligo have unibrows have you know now it's kind of cooler and cooler to be quirky which it never bloody was when we were at school like whereas everybody had to look exactly the same and like there was one one type of beauty basically Whereas now there seems yeah. to be so many more. I just hope that that's trickling down to like schools as well. And it's kind of school age yeah. kids. And, but yeah, you're right. It's definitely moving in the right way. I always used to feel weird because I dress different to my girlfriends. And I remember if I, if I liked a boy. I used to love the way you dress. <laughs> I remember that. That's Thank so weird. You. You're saying that. I've just remembered you had such cool fashion sense. And I, well, I ended up going into fashion and for me, it was kind of, I really related to what you were saying about the very beginning of your career, because I interned for six months for free, which is, I have many opinions about the legitimacy of that, but um, I, I, and I got my in, I, oh gosh, I used to think you could only get a job in fashion if you had like a godmother that worked at Vogue or something. Yeah. And I got my in because one of the girls and one of the girls I went to school with, like your Liv, she won mm. tickets to a fashion show on Instagram and took me. And then I went up to everyone working there and I was like, hey, what do I need to do See, to get in? I'll work for free. And I did. And I like, <laughs> they didn't have a job at the end for me, but they made me one. See, that's amazing though. See, some, anybody else would have gone to that show and just kind of gone and been like, oh, this is quite cool. But you fucking made it work for you. You got to do that though. You got to put yourself on the line. It's quite scary. Yeah, it is scary. Yeah. And it's so poorly paid that my mum also had that thing of being like, she would say to me, maybe fashion could just be like the thing you're really into. Like, does it have to be yeah, your job? Like right, hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so funny. I know. My mum said that about music a lot. It's just like, it's basically a hobby for you. There's not, not still now, but before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm aware I'm not earning anything from it. Thank you. <laughs> but just wait one just day wait. one day just sit and suddenly I'll go from here to here promise still waiting on that point <laughs> no not at all it's coming it's coming and um, I want to ask you about what it's like doing a music video because to me that just looks so oh sensational but I imagine there's like a lot of adrenaline and preparation that goes in before you start filming so what's that process like yeah it really depends on the video because you can 
some are so chill, some are all guns blazing and very intense. Like I still remember I had my first ever anxiety attack before my first ever video. I was doing a video for Losing My Mind, which was the second song that came out after looking at you with Metropolis label. Um, and just, we had barely any budget, so we shot it downstairs at Metropolis and like put like a screen up and just did some different looks. And it was really cool in the end. But it was like, I, I just built it up so much in my head because I was so scared of this day where like the cameras were just going to be on me nonstop. It was all going to be about how I looked and how I performed, which obviously was really saying it back, it's like, okay, girl, are you in the right industry? But like, you can love to perform and love to do those things, but still find that really daunting for the first time. And I even remember it, sure. I really interviews with like, I think it was the Saturdays or Girls Loud or something and being like them saying music videos take a bit of getting used to because it's that whole like performing, but bringing, and they're in a group, you know, you've got that kind of, your friends around you to build the energy and you've got to like kind of just switch on. So it's, you know, it's kind of the, the acting thing as well like you just switch yeah. on and then you perform the lip syncing takes a bit of getting used to like but like it was really fun and I I love them for the most part but sometimes they are quite stressful and also because I'm independent it does always feel and I'm a bit of a control freak <laughs> it does always feel like <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff that's on my plate that I need to get sorted and things usually are, like don't happen in time so everything's a bit last of a last minute scrabble and you're trying to make things work on a really tiny budget but also aware that you're trying to stand up against these amazing um, artists who are on bigger budgets and have these teams who can help prepare and market and everything. So it is, it is tough, but, and also I'm not the most visual person. Like lots of people, I think, you know, they write the song. Really? Well, just in terms of like, you know, some people write the song and immediately they see the video. I'm not that sort of person. I need somebody to kind of like pitch me ideas. I'm surprised by that because I'm obsessed with your, your personal style. And I I love how bold your aesthetic is. And I feel like you found this really unique. Yeah. I think I feel, I definitely feel like I, I am very much like my branding, my aesthetic is very me. So that's all quite like comfortable and like comes to me naturally. But just, I think with the whole, the video thing, it's like, you're trying to be kind of, you want to present the song in a really exciting way and something that's going to kind of show off your personality, um, engage immediately, and then also kind of have a, a whole kind of aesthetic that's going to be great for kind of um, running for the whole campaign that you can use across the song, like on socials and any like other you know, yeah, okay. ideas that you have. I don't know. I just, I like to have people kind of, sometimes I'll have ideas like, like Silly Boy. I basically directed the whole thing myself. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about other ones. Uh, what was, oh, downhill from here. We just, I just, like, I had absolutely no budget. Literally, there wasn't zero budget for a, a video. So I just put out a call out on my Instagram for any videographers who might do it as a passion project. And Theo Webb, this amazing guy, came back and he did it for free, which is incredible. And we said, let's just make it like a kind of a following me around thing. So that was so low key, but really great. And everybody really loved that and said it was just very me because it was just me. Like that's the yeah. thing. And my friends said that about Silly Boy video as well. They were like, this is the most you video we've seen. Like we can see Georgia in that as well as Call Me Luke, oh, which I liked. Um, I love how fashion can take you on this journey. And like, I reckon you'll look back at even like the um, album art and the music videos and it's going to take you on this incredible oh, yeah. journey down memory lane and like different phases of your life experience yeah even. completely even looking through I was trying to, to clear out some space on my laptop because it keeps you know that thing 
binging up being like, you've reached your maximum space. So I was like, oh my God, I need to get rid of some stuff. And I was going through old files and yeah, like the, the artwork and pictures from like looking at you and losing my mind came up and I was like, oh my God, look at me. <laughs> it's funny. It's like looking back through any like old photos of your friends and stuff and being like, oh yeah, that was the time where we all wore our hair over to the side ridiculously and backcombed uh, it with concealer on our lips. <laughs> Oh, good time. I didn't do the concealer, but I did do a side pony when I first started at St. Cat's. And I think the girls have not yet let me live that one down. So, oh my God, no. We all at Guildford, we all were identical. We wore that ridiculous hair where you basically parted it from your ear all the way over. And I remember my mum being like, why don't you just try slightly more of a middle parting? I'm like, no, mum. And actually, obviously, she was right. <laughs> I know, but we we refuse to hear it. Yeah, no. But I do. It's so it's so fun how style is reflective of those different chapters. When I moved to Australia, I literally because I'd been working in fashion in London, and mm. I felt like I kind of shed a skin, and I went from this like city girl, and I had a bit of a hip hop vibe at that point, and then when I got to Oz, I just like stripped back, no makeup, wore mm. Birkenstocks every day. What, the hostel I lived in, the, the people that didn't know my name called me the girl that wore Birkenstocks. Cringe. Um, and I just wore like sounds like a book. <laughs> yeah, maybe that should be the name of my memoir. <laughs> but, <laughs> she just like wore dungarees every day, and then I did like rebuild. I carried on working in fashion after a few months off, mm. and I did rebuild my own vibe again. But it was really symbolic of this sort of cathartic. So yeah, just shedding of skin, this journey that I was going through on the inside. And yeah. I just, I had to strip right back to then rebuild. Yeah, but it's true. It's like for your what you wear is very much a representation of you and your personality. I mean, more so for some people, obviously there are people who really embrace fashion in that sense and they go all out and other people who kind of just see clothes as more of like something to put on and that's and that's that. But I definitely, I'm, I'm like, I would say I kind of, I'm definitely... I'm not that outlandish. I think I'm not, I'm definitely not like a, an innovator with fashion. I think I follow the trends more than Scotland, that's for sure. But I definitely have my own personal style. And my friends are always like, you, you're easy to shop for because you have such a you look. Um, and like, I wear stuff that my friends in my friendship group would never wear. And I just love that. Like, you know, mm. you, 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 if you could lay out everyone's outfits on the floor and be like, I know that that's Flick, that's Liv, that's CJ. You know, like, I just love that. I love that too. And I actually think you're not giving yourself enough credit because I think I don't know I'm I've left the fashion industry now and I'm kind of just I feel like I'm just over the spoon-fed trend thing and I do think you have a really unique and authentic style and I feel like that has the most impact and I always try and encourage women or people in general just to like have fun with it yeah it's just like I don't know it's just it is a creative thing and yeah, I feel I really enjoy seeing what you're doing, what you're wearing, I'm what wearing. you're up to. Thanks, Han. I am. Um, I definitely. I try not to. I, one thing I'm trying not to do in lockdown is online shop because I've never been an online shopper. I'm not very good at it. I'm one of those people who sees the clothes on the model and thinks that's what it's going to look like on me, and then it turns out. <laughs> you know, like you just imagine yourself in it, but you don't see your own body shape. And whilst I, I'm lucky, I have like a nice figure. I don't have that sort of figure and like there are definitely things that I can't wear because of like the shapes of my calves or the shapes of my uh, shoulders or at least that I don't like to wear you know like you know what suits you and then sometimes all the stuff and it arrives I'm like oh yeah I forgot what I look like for a second but it's good because I am a bit addictive with shopping so like if I I, I will only go into a shop if I know I can spend some money because I 
cannot walk around and like if I pick stuff up and I like it and I try it on and it fits I will buy it like I can't choose I just go I'm definitely a shopaholic in that sense so I cannot allow myself to online shop so I'm just gonna no no new clothes until we're out in the world again that's fair I mean we have no reason I was looking at my wardrobe today and I was just like I miss I miss you Mm, I I miss wearing nice clothes no me too oh my god so much like like choosing your outfit like oh I'm going to a friend's birthday I'm going to the pub what am I gonna wear like I really miss that like I miss handbags and I said to my parents the other day I was like I miss wearing real shoes yeah not just trainers to go for a walk (laughs) I know same Okay, I feel like we've gone very tangentially off track. So I'm going to pull us back to the music and ask you about writing a song for the Pussycat Dolls. Yes, that was fun. How was that? (laughs) That was amazing. So basically, we didn't actually write it for them at the time. We were writing for me. So I was writing with um, three people, amazing, Will Sims, Johan Gustafsson, who are both kind of mainly producers, but Will's also great writers, but they were kind of working on the on the track. And then Hannah Wilson and myself were working on the top line, so like the, the lyrics and the melody of the lyrics. And we kind we went in. It was the first time I think I'd worked with, maybe it was the second time I worked with Hannah, but anyway, it was a fairly new group. I, we never worked as a four before. And um, it was the November before last, so November 2018, I think. Um, and we were actually, no, it must have been earlier than that, because I just basically, it was about my boyfriend, my current boyfriend, <laughs> and we'd started dating about a month or two before, and I was, we still weren't official, and I was very much like, I went in, and we were like, oh, what can we write about, and I was like, well, maybe about the guy that I'm dating, because he's amazing, and I'm kind of confused by it, because I I was used to kind of a bit of the drama, and being with someone who's a bit more uh what's the word like toxic is maybe unfair but like you know a bit more whereas Tom was so laid back I'd never been with somebody who was just so like lovely and won't won't like react (laughs) to stuff when you know you try and prod them a bit so he it was like it was like a new (laughs) it was a new world for me and obviously the song is hyperbole and loads of the stuff well, most of the stuff, the stuff in the song didn't really happen, but that was our starting point. Um, and then we wrote it and absolutely loved it. I remember getting the demo sent back a few months later, I think, when we actually got the kind of the cleaned up demo. And I remember hearing it and being like, oh, I do really love this, but it doesn't feel quite right for me at the moment with the other songs that I'm putting out. So I said, why don't we pitch it? Because it feels like a really strong pitch song. And usually that doesn't really come to much because there's so many people pitching for bigger artists and you know it's a very competitive world so yeah I pitched it and then that was that and then last October so maybe five months later just suddenly got an email that was just said the title was react the pussycat dolls and then the email was like hi guys um just need oh, to yeah just need to establish uh, like writer cuts and confirm everyone's happy with this and I was like what <laughs> so I just replied being like do you mean the real pussycat dolls from the culture yeah <laughs> And they were like, they were like, yeah, they're coming back and they want this to be their comeback single. It's all moving quite quickly. And I was like, oh my. I've just got visions of Coyote Ugly. Oh my God. Oh my like God. your moment. Yes. I was like, yes, finally. Being seen as a writer. No, it was so cool. And like, obviously I didn't really tell many people because with stuff like this, you never know. Like they very, we didn't know yeah. the date, the release date. They could easily have heard another song that they liked the week after or something. And you never, ever want to get too excited because I've been in this world for long enough to know that until you hear it on the radio you don't want to tell anyone basically but 
it was very exciting trying to keep myself at bay and then like hearing the first um demo of Nicole singing it and stuff was all very exciting I think I shed a tear on the bus when I listened to it (laughs) it was just so cool and to think that like you know that song's been heard by them and and then I've seen them talk about it in interviews since and them say you know we heard it and it just felt so us so like sexy and cool and current and I was like yes Yes. so Aww. really cool and then obviously also with the performance on the x factor when they teased it again didn't even know for sure if that was happening that like the team was kind of like there's a there's this potentially they could be teasing it tonight and i didn't know so my friend was over for dinner we were going out to a friend's 30th but i was like we have to stay drinking here until the performance <laughs> and then yeah they started singing it and i was like oh my god and we just started jumping around and screaming so i was like oh my god oh my god so it must be coming out soon so yeah that was all very exciting <laughs> Oh, congratulations. That must have been a really special moment. And all those difficult years, you know, you get those euphoric moments and it feels... That's the thing. It's very up and down, like as a, on the whole, you know, as a career, it's like, it's very up and down. It's not, it's not linear, but that's kind of what you love about it. And as long as the highs are outweighing the lows, then I love it. (laughs) I also have to tell you something really funny about um your boyfriend not him specifically but how you <laughs> met him what? <laughs> yeah but I met my boyfriend also on hinge and he's also Australian and I also met him in London no way is that not so weird <laughs> when I saw you put that post I was like snap does he live um, does he live near Capham yes shock <laughs> <laughs> all the Aussies are in Capham all the Aussies are in Capham. Oh, okay, before we go, I, I would love for you to tell us about Stripe. Yes, of course. Um, forgot about that one for a second. Come on, Georgia, promote. <laughs> um, Strike, it's my latest single. Um, it's another upbeat, empowering song. It, I wrote it basically about a relationship that was kind of the thing where it's just getting tired and the person doesn't really appreciate you anymore no hard feelings really but just that thing of you're being like okay you're not we've talked about this before we're going around in circles obviously you, you don't care enough to change your behavior so I'm just gonna say bye now because you're not you yeah. know so that's basically the 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 gist of that one but I'm really really excited about it. the fan reaction has been huge which is amazing I've made a TikTok dance for it. So please check that out and dance, uh, do your own version. I'm not very good at it. These girls have done it and they did it so much better than me. So maybe use theirs instead. If you go on, if you click on TikTok <laughs> and use the sat on my page, I've got a few videos of me doing it. One with my boyfriend, which is jokes. And then if you click on the sound, <laughs> you can see other people's videos with the sound. And there's these three girls called the Gregorian sisters and they've smashed it. And I've also done a homemade music video. So speaking of music videos, that one was quite fun. So that's currently being edited. It's very tongue-in-cheek and silly. It's got nothing to do with the song. It's just me prancing around with household props, basically. Okay, amazing. That's so exciting. I've actually one more, one more, one more question before the last round. But it is, what advice do you have for people dreaming big, but they don't know where to start? Good question. Uh, I think, I mean, if I'm anything to go by, it shows that you can really know nothing, know no one and still, uh, you know, make some progress. I think you need to know that you definitely want to do it because as we've said, it's a very tough business. It's a long road. You need to have thick skin and you need to kind of, basically, if you love the music, that kind of 
uh, supersedes everything and you'll carry on. It'll be great. I think you need to be authentic to yourself. You need to be a bit of a yes man. So not say yes to everything. As I said, there can be some things that are a bit dodgy, but read the room. And, you know, sometimes it'll be something that you thought was not going to lead to anything can actually be something that changes the course of your year or your life. So you have to be open to opportunities. Like I said, be business savvy, as business savvy as you can. You're not going to be an overnight success. So you need to have patience. That's one thing I've learned. I'm a very impatient person and you have to be patient. It's like, it is a long road. Joe Wicks says that he's a 10 year overnight success. And yeah. it's literally mine and my mum's mantra. We say it like every single day. Yeah. Like Katy Perry as well. Like she said, when she suddenly was like, I think it was Kiss the Girl came out. Everyone's like, oh, this overnight success, Katy Perry. And she was like, I've literally been, you don't even know what my last, the last eight years of my yeah. life. Like. <laughs> Final questions. Yes. What is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Go for a wee. <laughs> what action feels most like prayer to you? And in, by that, I mean what thing that you do makes you feel most connected to your best self? Oh, God, that's a good question. Probably talking to my mum. Oh, that's so sweet. I thought you were going to say singing. <laughs> I, well, to be, to be fair... It's probably, I mean, she'll probably cry when she hears that now, but I, yeah, probably I, the two, I guess, singing, that's funny you say that, because I don't think about it, but I do it all the time. So if my boyfriend's here, he'll often have to be like, Georgie, sorry, please, can you just stop for a second? And like, I'll be in, and I'll, or I'll be in Sainsbury's and the cashier will be like, you've got a nice voice. I'll be like, oh God, sorry, I didn't realize I was singing. So oh I goodness. guess in a way, yeah, that as well, because I guess I do it and that's constantly centering me in a way. But it's almost like breathing to you now. Probably kind of almost in a way like a little meditation thing for me. But also speaking to mom grounds me and brings me back to me. Yeah. And I speak to her every day. Oh, I love that. What is the most audacious thing you've ever done? I mean, the obvious thing to me would just be going for this as my career, you know, like after yeah. me just saying, fuck it, I'm going to do it, even though it was kind of terrifying and shit to start with. Um I bet there are so many people that have to put on a suit every day that had a dream similar yeah. to being in the music industry and they didn't pursue it. So I think yeah. that is actually super audacious and it's also courageous and it's also making yourself vulnerable. So yeah. Yeah. Probably that is the overarching one. Okay. What commitment are you going to make to yourself for this coming week? Oh, to... Okay, I'm going to go real small here to go to bed earlier. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's a very powerful one. Yeah, I'm useless. Honestly, Tom's always like, Georgia, you are such a child. He'll have to literally tell me to go to bed because I was like, I really need an early night tonight. I feel knackered, didn't sleep well. And then it'll be like 1am and I'll be like, oops, I'm just on Netflix. <laughs> I can't do it. I cannot put myself to bed. It's a real problem. Um. Okay, when was the last time you felt fearful and how did you handle it? Oh, easy uh the night before strike came out was i was terrified very scary the eve of release yeah. <laughs> um, how did i handle it <sighs> not very well <laughs> to be fair i think i was better on thursday than i have been on previous ones i've had release evenings where i really lose the plot but for once i almost removed myself from it a bit for actually kind of believed the words when i was like there's actually nothing you can do right now so there's no point checking your phone for updates or playlist updates or messages yeah. from management or anything like it's the evening enjoy yourself have a drink sit outside and just wait and see what happens and I actually slept really well which usually I do not at all that's a good way to yeah. handle it I'm sure it is scary 
And very last question, my love, where is your happy place? My happy place would probably be my parents' house, which is still like home to me, really. I live in, um, yeah. I live in Clapham in my flat, but yeah, my parents' house is my happy place. But then also just like the sofa in my flat. I think, mm. you know, just like that's where I'm probably the most me, just chilling, inherently lazy, love to lie on the sofa in trackies with friends or my boyfriend, eating a takeaway and watching a film. Those probably are quite exciting. I don't, I, I'm quite jealous of people who have like a, you know, a happy place, like a bench or a certain part they go to. I find it quite like a romantic idea, yeah. but I don't, I don't really have one of those. So I think I'm just such a home bunny, I think for me and like a, like a family gal. So I think probably just home for me. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, babe. It's been so nice. That's it for this week's conversation. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you feel as invigorated and creatively inspired as I do and ready to just keep pushing, keep pushing forward. Big thanks to Georgia for the generosity of her time and everyone go download Strike. I will link to it in the show notes and I hope you're looking forward to next week's episode. Until then, look after yourselves, take care of one another, keep on unlearning, keep on doing the work, and I look forward to hearing from you, and let me know what you thought. Till next week.